Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a post-game edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on Sunday night. We are recording this. Uh, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. The Browns somehow 39-38 to winners over the Indianapolis Colts in a game that just defied everything we thought coming into it. We didn't expect as many points. Uh, we didn't expect it to be this challenging for the Browns against Gardner Minshew and the Colts. Uh, a lot to get into here in this game. We'll just follow our normal format that you're used to on these post-game shows. We'll each throw out uh, one thing, one takeaway from the game, and then we'll end it with one big thing from each of us. So, Mary Kay, why don't you start us off? What's your big takeaway here from this Browns win over the Colts? You know, I don't know how I could do anything else. I mean, it's just got to be the whole Deshaun Watson situation. I mean, it it was unbelievable. I had said numerous times heading into this game that I thought he should shut it down for another week or two. I never felt good about him starting this game. I felt that uh, this was a six-week injury to the rotator cuff of your franchise quarterback, and why rush it? Why rush it when you could risk further injury that could keep him out uh, for a lengthy period of time? Uh, but lo and behold, they they did go ahead and start him. And, of course, he wanted to start. Uh, that's what quarterbacks want to do. And um, so he, um, you know, obviously started the game, left with 304, left in the first quarter, took a big hit to the shoulder. And now the question is, now what? What is going to happen to that shoulder? Uh, he doesn't even know. I asked him about it. And he said, I pray uh, that it didn't get worse. Um, I also asked him, will you get an MRI? And he said, he's not sure about that. And he wasn't too sure about anything. He, you know, I mean, Kevin Stefanski says he is my starter for the Seahawks game, but if they go back and they do this MRI and they don't like what they see in there, then he's not going to be starting the Seahawks game. They have to be sure that he is ready to go. So that's my big takeaway. The reality here, Ashley, is this is still the story, right? It's Deshaun Watson. It's going to be the will he, won't he, and honestly, the should he or shouldn't he. And you and Mary Kay both were talking about this throughout the week, whether he should even play in this game. So he goes one for five for five yards, throws an interception, had another interception overturned by replay. Eyeball test. It didn't look like a guy who was ready to play quarterback in the NFL uh, in this game. Like he couldn't throw on the run. He didn't have zip on the ball. He was under throwing guys that did not look like Deshaun Watson out there. Even the Deshaun Watson we've seen in a Browns uniform. 
Um, it was concerning, and I honestly wonder how Kevin Stefanski can look at this and, and just say, yeah, we're going to start this guy again next week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that, to me, might be like an optics thing almost because that's the only rational explanation I have for it at that point because, like you said, Dan, it was so clear to me that this was the wrong decision. I mean, from the very beginning of the game, and I think the most concerning thing, too, besides the physical stuff and, like, not looking physically ready was just, like, the decision-making even, which is part of the reason what makes Deshaun Watson so good normally is his processing and his ability to kind of very quickly <laughs> decide what to do. That interception, I have no idea what he was thinking. Like, I, I have no idea re-watching that throw, why you make that throw. Um, and it is a small sample size, but it's a small sample size to me that should never have existed. <laughs> like, I think I said in our preview pod, I think it would be a bad decision if he played. I did not want to see that happen. I didn't think it was necessary, and it it kind of proved it today. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm really curious now to see if, if this is going to look worse. And, and we've talked about like the underthrowing guys part of it. And that's part of a rotator cuff injury. And I think, unfortunately, like we saw that today. But I'm really curious to kind of see again. I think this is still going to be the discussion. And, and I empathize with fans who, you know, don't want to talk about something else. You know, don't want to keep hearing about this. But it just feels like something that's so far from over at this point. Yeah, Mary Kay, I mean... To me, even at this point, watching him practice is, you know, I've been saying like, until I see him throw, you know, well, we got to see him throw. And now at this point, it's like, even if I see him practice and throw this week, it's going to be hard for me to make the case that he absolutely 100% should be the starting quarterback because just what we saw and, you know, I suppose one day we'll have a bigger discussion about his performance as a whole in a, in a Browns uniform. But today with the injured shoulder, what we saw, y- you just... You couldn't do anything in the passing game with him out there. And I, it's it would be a hard sell for me as a head coach to say that that I'm going to start him against the Seahawks, who are a fast, physical, young defense. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? Kevin Stefanski like, disagreed with me when I asked if there seemed to be a lack of velocity on the interception by by Justin Blackman, where it looked it looked to me like perhaps that didn't have enough heat on it. And the same thing with the almost interception that was overturned. That one fell short, I thought. Um, so I, I just, I don't know. I just don't think that that it's worth it, especially when you have a defense like this and you have a running game and you've got a quarterback that can at least hold down the fort for you for a while. I mean, if you lose him for the rest of the season, you know, what are you going to be saying to yourself about, why you had to get him in this football game. Yeah, Mary Kay, what was it he said? What did Deshaun say after the game when he was asked if about the, the whatever it was, basically how hurt the shoulder is or if it, he worries if it's more hurt now? Yeah, he said, I'm praying it's not worse. When I asked him, uh, do you think you may have re-injured it? And he said, I'm praying that it's not worse. And you know what? That means that he thinks there's a chance it could possibly be. So he's going to have to get back to Cleveland. He's going to have to undergo an MRI, uh, and they're going to have to assess what they want to do with this rotator cuff injury. And I think it's tricky. I think it's really tricky. And I think that they they might also have to think about trading for a veteran quarterback. I still think they need to do that. Um, you don't really know where this is going with Deshaun, and you don't want to find out the hard way that he needs to be out for five, six, seven games. 
Yeah, that's um, this. Is, I mean, Ashley, when you kind of hear that, when you when you hear, that's the thing that kind of stood out to me when you hear. And I was not in Deshaun Watson's press conference, but um, when you hear the the way he says that, I don't know. I, that's I'm not saying there's something worse in there that we don't know about, but that's true. That doesn't sound great when a guy says that about an injury. Yeah, and I mean, like, obviously, you can't know for sure anything with an injury like this until you get the imaging done. So that's like the caveat to all of this. But yeah, I mean, the way he was talking, I, you know, I wasn't physically at the press conference, but I listened to it live as they were streaming it. And it just doesn't sound like you said, a guy who's super confident in anything right now. And, you know, we talked about after he talked to us on Wednesday of this week before practice that like he didn't even sound super confident yet that he was going to be able to play and you know that he he might not be ready this week like it all seemed very up in the air and you know even hearing you know I thought he got you know a little bit maybe defensive when talking about the the small sample size that he threw today so to not glean too much from it like I thought that was interesting that kind of defense and it just kind of goes back to well like maybe that that small sample size just like I said earlier shouldn't have existed um, because it was too risky, and it almost cost them the game, really. And it could cost them Deshaun Watson now for more games, and it and you know take him longer to get back to form if this injury is worse. And that's you know the most unfortunate part of all of it, I think. And that was always the biggest risk to me. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, Ashley, what's your big takeaway from this one? I'm going to go with Dustin Hopkins, who, you know, we've talked about, I think, more and more as this podcast uh, in these post-game pods. And we hadn't we haven't really talked about the kicker, though, as much as we had been over the last year. And I think, Dan, we've talked and joked about that. That's how it's supposed to be. Like, you're not supposed to have to ask the kicker after every single game about what went wrong, how he's acclimating, all of that. I mean, he just hit, you know, he's perfect four for four again today, 350 plus yarders. He's now seven for seven on the season on those 50 plus yarders, a new career high with that 58 yard kick he had in the fourth quarter today. And I wrote my postgame column about, you know, I think each week now he's just kind of proving that the Browns made the right decision when they decided to go with him and part ways with Cade York. And I think I was one of those people at the time that I was very enticed by the possibility of Cade turning things around potentially in the future and the long career he may have ahead of him. But I think Dustin Hopkins keeps proving that that veteran presence and stability at this position and not having to hold your breath when the kicker goes up there to attempt a 50 plus yarder is really invaluable. And for whatever reason, like he and Bubba Ventrone just seem to be a perfect fit right now. And he has to keep producing, but it's looked, I think, better than a lot of people thought it would because he was only 15 of 30 coming into this season on 50-plus yarders. Mary Kay, the 50-plus the yard stuff is incredible. Like, I, I can't believe – I mean, we talked about it on this podcast. Like, that's the, the one thing that when you looked at his record, it's like, oh, the, you know, I don't know if he's got the big leg. And whatever Bubba Ventrone and Charlie Hewlett and Corey Bajorquez have, have done – it's worked miracles for Dustin Hopkins. And, you know, I've kind of tweeted a few times this year. um, Like, it's just nice to have a kicker who makes kicks. And what we're seeing from Dustin Hopkins is even bigger than that. He's like literally making every single kick. And it's, I mean, it helped this team win a game today. Yeah. And it helped the team win last week against the 49ers. I mean, he's the reigning AFC special teams player of the week because he made four kicks last week against the 49ers, including another 50 yarder. 
and a 29-yard game winner. I mean, think about this. If he had faltered along the way in that game, even one time, they don't win that game last week. They don't win it. And look, the same thing today. This was incredible for him. And I can't believe uh, that he is so golden on these 50-yard kicks. I mean, I, I just can't believe it. That was one of my uh, concerns about him, a major concern about him coming in. Everything else seemed really good except for the 50-plus. And he was only 15 of 30, as Ashley mentioned, on the 50-plus. And now he's 7 of 7 this year on 50-plus. He just made a 58-yarder. Are you kidding me? And he set the NFL record for five straight 50-yarders. Really, Dustin? I mean, can you... What they went through, the change that they pulled off from Cade York, from everybody wondering if that young man was going to be able to stand up there and make a 35-yard kick to Dustin Hopkins just knocking 58-yarders through. I mean, this is so amazing today that he made two 54-yarders and a 58-yarder. I'm calling him AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, for next week and AFC special teams player of the month. I'm calling it right now. Ooh, I love it. Calling your shot. And I mean, we're about to get to this. They're, they're probably going to have the AFC defensive player of, of the week. And mm-hmm. depending how the rest of this month goes, yeah, maybe, maybe miles can work his way into that conversation too. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ashley, it's just to, to see what Dustin is doing. I almost wonder if there's a little bit of a lesson here for the Browns going back to the quarterback thing. I'm going to make a really big leap here, but (laughs) you know, they took a chance at kicker and they traded a a pick to go get Dustin Hopkins. You know, Mary Kay alluded to it in the, in our first, you know, when we were talking about the quarterbacks, like maybe you can take some kind of low pick and go get a backup quarterback. And that could kind of help maybe not save your season, but at least get you through a few games if you need to. That's a big leap, I know, from kicker to quarterback, but maybe there is a little lesson here for the Browns to learn. Yeah, it's like, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's as big of a leap as you're thinking. Like, I get why you're saying why it's a leap. Like, kicker is such a different position than quarterback, but I'm all for this idea you keep floating of why not take the pick you got in the Dobbs trade. And, you know, obviously we don't need to relitigate the whole Josh Dobbs trade again. But why not take that pick and, I don't know, see if you can get somebody. Because, you know, P.J. Walker, you know, God love it, he fights through a lot. But I don't know how many games, like Mary Kay said, if you find out this is going to be lingering with Deshaun's shoulder for a lot longer than anybody anticipated, I don't know if you want to be trusting fully leaning on P.J. Walker when he's throwing more interceptions than touchdowns, obviously, in these games through a very difficult stretch of your season. And I think even, like, just adding another veteran into that room, like, I think about what Jacoby did for that room last year, obviously. Um, I think that stuff kind of becomes invaluable at these difficult moments and when things aren't going well and could be valuable even when Deshaun Watson comes back from a morale standpoint, a temperament standpoint, all those things. So I'm, I'm definitely all for it. I mean, I really think this kind of – needs to become a priority unless we find out Deshaun Watson is magically fine at the start of next week. I think it's, it's that important at this point though. It sounds like Paul Anka agrees. Um, Cause Paul I don't... Anka does agree. He barked really <laughs> loudly at that interception today and he's agreeing with me now again. <laughs> okay. 
I'm, I'm going to read you guys something. This is my, my takeaway. Uh, I'm going to read you a couple, couple nuggets here. So Miles Garrett, we know 82 sacks, the most all time by a Browns player. This is the fourth time today that a Browns player has recorded two sacks and two fumbles. The last time it happened was September 9, 2018, when Miles Garrett did it. He has now passed Reggie White for the most career sacks before age 28. And he became the first player since at least 1991 to record two sacks, two forced fumbles, and block a field goal in the same game. Mary Kay, I don't know if Miles was like where we were last night when we were talking about him and just talking about like that next level, you know, and him him just having, you know, some games like this. But he came out and had a defensive player of the year type of performance on uh on sun on sunday so i don't know maybe he overheard us or something when when we were all sitting around and talking you know what dan you're right maybe he did or maybe some of the browns fans that were in the establishment uh dm'd miles and told him what we were talking about but i have been saying this for a long time in order to be generational in order to be uh, a player that wins nfl defensive player of the year and in order to be a player that someday ends up in the hall of fame you have to change games. You have to make those game-changing plays. You have to take over a game, and you have to own it. You have to jump off the page, and you have to wreak havoc and just wreck the freaking game. And he hasn't done that enough in his career. I mean, he's amazing, but he has a whole nother gear, and he showed that today. And sometimes you can take advantage of, of lesser players, but that's just the way of the NFL. Everybody does that. Every good defensive end gets an opportunity to beat up on a lesser offensive tackle a couple times a year, or maybe even half a dozen times a year or 10 times a year. Because truthfully, there aren't that many really, really good left tackles or right tackles in the NFL. There are not enough to go around. There just aren't. Teams need to do a better job of finding and cultivating those players uh, because you've got to be able to handle the Miles Garretts and the Nick Boses and the TJ Watts of the world. But Miles, this was the kind of game that I expect him to have. And this is the kind of game that someday, if when I'm sitting in the Hall of Fame selection room, this is what I, I plan to be talking about. And that's the only way he's going to get in is if this is the Miles he is. And that's what he wants. That's what he wants. Trent Williams called him a Hall of Famer after last week's game. And he played like a Hall of Famer today. And he needs to just keep it up. Just keep going, Miles, because this is what is expected of you. This is what you're capable of. And now you're showing it. Yeah, I mean, Ashley, I mean, you're watching this Miles game. Just what what are you thinking? Is he just with the defense really struggling? And then Miles just decided, you know what? I'm taking over. I mean, I think I tweeted like he's superhuman after before the blocked field goal. Like it just is like. It was thing after thing today, and I really liked your story, Dan, and like hearing how all the players described him with a Kareem Hunt called him Godzilla, somebody called him Superman, like all of these adjectives were just so fitting, but it felt like watching it in real time. I tweeted at halftime, I think I sent it to our um, insider subscribers via text that like it felt like Miles was single-handedly willing them to win this game at that point because so much of that first half was just disastrous for me with Deshaun going down and some of the plays he was making even before he got hurt and and everything that was going on but like he just felt like that steadying hand today and I agree I mean I think that's what 
we need more of from him throughout his career. And we talked about the bar being set extremely high. Obviously, when you're talking about Hall of Fame edge rushers, that's a very high bar to clear. But judging how Miles jumped over another human being today, (laughs) if he can do more of that, um, you know, he could eventually, I think, clear that bar. Yeah, it was a a game changing type of performance. And and again, you know, just just to be clear, it's not like, you know, we were ripping on Miles or taking shots at him. It was just, you know, having games where he gets to this level and he does take over and dominate. And by the way, I think this is Mary Kay what Miles wants for himself. He doesn't want to just stack up a bunch of pressures and get great PFF grades and all that stuff. He wants to have a bunch of games like this and he wants he wants people to see him play like this. You know, that this is the type of game Miles has been seeking. Yes, this is exactly what he wants for himself. It is exactly what he wants for himself. And it is okay, uh, you know, for us as analysts and observers, uh, you know, to kind of call for that from him. Uh, you know, I've done it to other players over the years that, you know, sometimes you just need to see more if you want to be considered great. The Hall of Fame is for the best of the best. And it's really hard to get in when you are a defensive end. You've got to be really, really amazing. And that's the kind of game and that's the kind of performance and that's the level of play uh, that you're going to need to get in. You remember the Lawrence Taylors of the world and we think about the Aaron Donalds of the world. You know, I mean, you you see those highlight plays and, you know, in, in the past, they're just wasn't enough from Miles. Now he's got to keep it going. Uh, There's got to be more than that. But I feel like he is really putting his heart and soul into getting this team uh, to where they want to go this year. Like he's putting the team on his back and saying, you know what, I'm going to take us there. If Deshaun can't get us there because right now he's got a rotator cuff injury, I'm doing it. I'm taking us there. Let's go for this ride. And that's what we saw today. Yeah. And and it just kind of goes to show, I I mean, I think you know, there's always levels to all the edge rushers and kind of where you rank them and stuff. And I think miles might be, and you know, certainly people get disagree with this, but I think he might be the most difficult player to block because he's so athletic and so big and such a problem. Um, And we see that with his double team rate, all this stuff. I think he's got to be one of, if not the hardest players to block in the NFL right now. And the Colts obviously couldn't do it (laughs) because he was all over the place in in this game. Um, Okay. Let's take a break, and then when we come back, we will each offer up one last big thing from the Browns' 39-38 win over the Colts. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock. Okay, um, one big thing from this game to wrap us up here, Mary Kate. what do you have? You know, it's just a feeling. It's, it's, a, it's a vibe check is what it is. Uh, they just came off of a humongous... 1917 victory over the 49ers knocked off an unbeaten team that a lot of people think still will probably go to the Super Bowl or could go to the Super Bowl this year. They won that game. They finished it. For the most part, they finished it. They got a little lucky at the end. We all know that. But they wouldn't have even been at that point if not for a great defensive performance. In this particular game, they lost their starting quarterback. He was standing over there in a parka and a beanie. um, And they had to play the practice squad guy again. And They found a way to do it. They found a way to win. There was no quit in them. They did not give up. They would not give up. This team has something special about it. This team has some heart and some soul and some grit. 
And that's what it takes to go the distance. That's what I'm seeing with these Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Oh, look, we've said it before. There's no style points. This isn't college football. There's no committee at the end. They just count up the wins and the top division winners and the other three teams who are atop that list, they all get in. Um, so it doesn't matter how it happens. It just matters that it happens. Uh, now we, you know, we'll nitpick and we'll look at performances and we'll say, well, they need to do this better, or this was a problem or that was a problem, but Ashley, a win's a win. And that's what happened last week. And that's what happened this week. Yeah. Our, our friend Lance Risland, I think texted us after the game and said, there's no such things as ugly wins in football. It's just wins. And, uh, I love Lance's coach speak there because I definitely get that that um, mentality, I guess. And I definitely agree. You know, I think in recent years or recent decades, I guess, with this team, basically since they came back, it, it feels like in a lot of these moments, especially in 2021 and 2022, when something didn't go their way, you kind of felt that crumbling happening. You felt it like the game, you know, in 2021, I always go back to in Baltimore, the defense picks off Lamar Jackson four times. The offense can't do anything. You felt the cracks, like, getting ready to burst. And this is kind of like the first time that it feels like they really actually know how to respond to adversity. That, like, it's not just luck. There is something, like, X-factory. I don't know, you know, what other adjective to use about this team in terms of the it, how they're able to deal with these setbacks and you know, whatever's happening at quarterback, it doesn't seem to impact the defense. And this defense is just, you know, started the season at a historic level. The Colts put up some yards on them today. That's like when we talk about nitpicking, that's thing number one. But when it came down to it, they still found a way to win. And I do think there is something to be said about that. Okay, Ashley, you got one for us? Yeah, I don't know if this is yours, Dan. So if it is, feel free to hijack it and I can think of something else. Um, I just think that Kareem Hunt, Today is an awesome performance, and it just kind of continues this awesome return story for him to see him get both of those touchdowns, including what ultimately ended up being the game winner. Like, those to me just looked like vintage knockdown Kareem Hunt runs, like, reminds you of why his teammates would call him the Tasmanian Devil, like, running style that he had. Like, I just think you saw it today, and it just kind of, you know, continues this really great comeback story because this is a guy who you know five weeks ago didn't even have a team and now he's found his way back to his hometown team which obviously we all know how much that means to him um so it's awesome to kind of see him come through in a big moment like he did today yeah mary Kay, it's just really cool um i mean kareem seems happy he's in great shape he's running like he did a couple years ago um that that with jerome ford look he has an ankle injury we'll see kind of what that where that leads him um, but the, you know, we're, I think we're going to see a lot more Kareem Hunt here moving forward. Yeah. You know what? Good for him. It's, it's been a very, very stressful, you know, eight months, nine months, you know, a, a year, ever since last year when he asked to be traded in training camp and we, he, he had a little mini hold in and, um, you know, it's been, it's been rough because all he's ever really wanted to do is help the Cleveland Browns go win a Super Bowl, And he came back. Uh, you know, they had to sign him when Nick Chubb went down and he's pouring his heart and soul into this. And today he went out and did what he did uh, with a thigh injury, but they needed him. I mean, they needed him to play. And even though he was kind of iffy and, you know, wasn't going to have a full workload per se, he went out there and he scored the game when he touched down. He had the two yard touchdown. Uh, you know, he he did what he needed to do. And it is a nice 
success story for him uh, to come back to this football team and to be contributing in a big way uh, when his hometown team really needs him. So yes, I I think it's a great story. Okay. I'm going to end this kind of where we started and maybe this is a little bit of a downer, but I guess I'm wondering how, I guess I wonder how Browns fans feel right now as this Deshaun Watson experience continues. Um, It was such a big trade. Obviously we know the baggage that came with it, the controversy, um, you know, all of that. We know what the Browns gave up, but I just wonder at this point, like where Browns fans are with kind of what that trade was. They got six games out of him last year that were kind of lackluster They've seen him play one good game so far, and now he's dealing with this shoulder injury. And that's not his fault. I mean, injuries are injuries. There's not a lot you can do about it, but it's just a frustrating thing. Um, I mean, it's just for all the good feelings of the last two weeks, it just kind of stinks, I think, for Browns fans that this whole situation is lingering over them. And like, we still don't know for sure, even if he's healthy, if the Browns are getting what they traded for in Deshaun Watson and, you know, Mary Kay, I don't want to be unfair to Deshaun because like I said, an injury is an injury. There's nothing you can do about it except let it heal. But I could understand if Browns fans just feel a little frustrated by this whole thing right now. Well, yeah, it's hard to get frustrated with a player when he has a bad injury and he just took another hard blow to the shoulder and we have no idea how that is going to go or end up. So um, from a being mad at the player or frustrated at the player, I think that would be sort of misdirected. Um, But I do think just wondering what is going to be happening with the Browns quarterback situation, that's a fair and valid concern. Because if you have a messed up rotator cuff and you can't get that right, uh, it could impact a large chunk of your season. So everyone's just going to have to hope all the Browns fans and the Browns are just going to have to hope that Deshaun didn't suffer a setback today, a significant setback, and that he can get back out there and play as as soon as he possibly can, because nobody has seen uh, the real version of Deshaun yet. You started to see glimpses of it in the Titans game, and then he got injured in that game and you haven't seen it since. And, uh, and I think that today can be blamed on, the rotator cuff injury. I don't think he should have been out there today. Um, you know, there's no shame in resting an extra week and getting that thing really well. So hopefully for him, hopefully for the Browns, uh, this didn't turn into something more and he can get back out there uh, because this team is on a mission. As I said before, this is a special football team. There's something brewing here and they've got a, a defense uh, that can go the distance and they need the offense to go along with it. And if they can get it together and he's going to be okay, then, you know, then I, you know, then I think we're going to be looking at the playoffs. Although the, uh, the AFC North is still a very tight bunched up race. The Ravens huge victory today over the lions. This is never going to be easy. It's probably going to come all the way down to the last week of the season or something like that. They need their quarterback healthy. Yeah. And, and again, I did like what Mary Kay said is a hundred percent right. I, I'm not directing anything at the, at the player in this case, an injury is an injury, but I just think the bigger picture of this is it's, I, I feel bad because like this season was supposed to be the Brown Browns fans finally getting their quarterback and seeing what this looks like with their quarterback. And it just, it hasn't happened. And, you know, I, I just wonder 
I wonder where Browns fans are at right now with, with the quarterback position kind of back to square one right now, it feels like, Ashley. Yeah, you know, I think, like, the the fan base itself is interesting. And obviously, like, I haven't covered the team as long as you, but I've been around the area and I grew up a Browns fan. So, like, I think I understand the fan base better than I would fan bases, you know, across the league. And I definitely think, like, in general, it's a fan base that is probably prone to overreaction for better and worse. And, you know, that's part of what makes Browns fans so endearing, along with their loyalty. But I do think with Deshaun Watson, like, because of everything that surrounded that trade and it being one of the most controversial moves that this team has made is, you know, there's not as much grace there given like, and maybe, you know, in instances where there should be like a player is hurt. Um, people are going to be quick to use that as a negative. And maybe some people do use it to, you know, want to use it as a negative towards Deshaun. Other people I think are just frustrated at the situation because like you said, Dan, this was supposed to be the year that the franchise quarterback has the full season ahead of him and can take over. And, I think, too, a lot of people are just remembering that angst in 2021 with the Baker Mayfield shoulder. And obviously that was a different injury, but everyone kind of saw how that played out, right? It was this lingering thing throughout the entire season. There wasn't really a lot of clarity at times. He was playing and there were questions about if they should bench him and they weren't benching him, but he was still playing and he was hurt and like all of that stuff. And then, you know, they go 500 basically and miss the playoffs. So I think like all of that recent history too definitely plays a part in some of the angst about the position for the fan base. Yeah. It's, it's the situation. That's what it is. The Mm -hmm. situation is frustrating and it's, it's nobody's fault, but the situation right now is, is frustrating, I think. But anyway, the Browns 39, 38 winners over the Colts. So that's the real story here. Miles Barrett, Miles Garrett was great. Kareem Hunt, the touchdown, as we talked about. Uh, and now they head to Seattle for what is going to be a very interesting matchup with, I think, a, a good Seahawks team who uh, won today over the Cardinals. So uh, full coverage of everything that happened today. We'll lead you through the week and all of that. It's at cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, become a Football Insider subscriber. Uh, go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up for that. Find us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. Find us on Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk. Uh, and of course, get subscribed to this podcast where you listen to your podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.